Let's talk digital. We are at the cutting edge of digital tweaks, changes, transformation. A local digital marketing podcast. Conversing with industry experts and filling excerpts about the exception. Hosted by Audrey Naidu. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the Well, I'm certainly excited by what's coming up in South Africa in the next couple of months and years. How's it, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Digital with myself, Audrey Naidu. Today, we are talking to Peter Krenwald, CEO of the Influencer Marketing Group within Infinity Group. Peter has over 18 years experience working in the marketing and advertising industry. The topic up for discussion is the value of influencer marketing to brands. Is it worth the investment? Hello, Peter, and welcome to the podcast. Hi, Audrey. Yeah, thanks for the invite and, and, and happy to be here. No, I'm so glad we are back at the studio. So thank you for affording us the opportunity to do so. My pleasure. Peter, you've been CEO at part of the Infinity Group for about two years now, hey? Prior to that, you were CEO and founder of The Salt for about eight years. You are also considered one of the most recognized experts in the field of influencer marketing in South Africa. Tell us more about yourself. Yeah, so um, background is um, started off in accountancy. But didn't really like that. Wasn't um, and then got opportunity with my current partner Ken Verigis to to work in media, and he he got me out of the the finance room, and I really loved just love business, you know. So um, and marketing is a big part of business, so got involved in that. And around around about 2010 is when we started our first influencer business. That actually that salt business was our where we ventured into it way ahead of the time. At when we when we launch it, but the industry caught up nicely, and and today we've got quite a few platforms within that space. Okay, so maybe give us a little bit of context around um, what exactly um, consists of the influencer group within Infinity. Yeah, so so first of all, as we uh, if I go as the first business we started was a nano influencer business, which is called the Salt. So in my mind, people will always try and box and say, what's a nano-influencer? In my, I, I refer to nano-influencers as people where I know my audience. So I've probably got only 500 people that's following me on Facebook, but I know every one of them. That for me is a nano-influencer. You don't have huge reach, but you've got very, very big influence over that community. Then from there, we got involved with Webfluential. We became their partners in the local, local territory. Um, and these are more your micro and macro influencers because not if you look for authenticity in a nano influencer platform is where you go if you look for reach then you need to con- start considering micro and macro influencers and then we realized quite a bit of money is coming into the space of influencer marketing but with no no thought, thought strategies blueprint behind what success would look like and then we actually set up what we call our own little um, boutique um, influencer agency and they influential and they basically helping businesses to put their strategies together um, to do that is you need a good knowledge of the of the spectrum otherwise you put normal industry people don't work with influencers on a daily basis hence they don't know what developments are there and you sometimes lack your strategies lack what's available out there then as the business grew more and more brands were saying to us but listen 
we've got our own staff. How do we get them more involved in, 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 in our influencer efforts? Why do we contract people outside our organization? And that's where we launched the internship, which is focused on employee influencers. Um, there you need to train people how to not be social media users, but how to use social media for business. Uh, it works very well in the B2B space and even your larger corporates who's got a B2B offering. And then the last one is our podcast business because we believe, I always say, not everyone's got a face for Instagram. A lot of people love sharing knowledge and podcasts is such a channel where you can you can build audiences that follows you and are very interested in, in the conversations you're having. And that's that sort of completes our bouquet of, of influencer channels. Sounds very multifaceted and multidimensional. I mean, at its basic level, what would you say uh, influencer marketing is? So our belief around influencer marketing, I need to take you a little bit back to 2005. Because in 2005, when social media started, sort of um, started their process, all of a sudden something happened is we started forge forming these people channels. So up till then, all communication uh, was either word of mouth, which is on a very small scale, or you had to use your mainstream media. And mainstream media was one directional. But as soon as we started to forge these people channels, it means if I was a local celebrity, people start following me on social media. I had 25,000 followers that's very interested in what I'm saying. And that's when those people channels came out, is we as influencer marketers says, okay, this gives you the opportunity to attach your brand message to someone that's got access to a tribe and an audience. And we believe it's better for brands to introduce them into a conversation through a tribe member that's got certain levels of trust and buy-in from his audience versus pushing it from a brand perspective towards that tribe. Now, bear in mind is when I'm referring to tribes, it's actually these people channels. And a brand cannot belong to a people channel. It's hard for a brand to belong to a WhatsApp group or even to come and join me and follow me on like a Facebook. It's only people sitting there. And, and our belief is, and it's a core belief we've got, it's better to attach your message to a tribe member, let him introduce it in an authentic way when it's appropriate within his tribe. And I always use the example that if, you, if, your, if your geezer breaks, you wake up in the morning, your kitchen is wet because of your geezer, what do you do? You normally jump onto a WhatsApp group of the, of the estate and say, guys, anyone can recommend a plumber. And when they push out the number to you, that person gets called because you trust the person that served you the number and the person immediately, you know there's a, there's a level of credibility that, to that being pushed to you because you know the person. And that's influencer marketing. Yeah, I think it's, it's very different from your traditional marketing. Um, and there's three things that really stood out for me from what you said is one is trust, two is being authentic, and three is having the credibility to reach your audience, but also to connect with them. Today, we're going to go into the discussion of myth busting, because there's, there's been a lot of uh, bad perceptions around influencer marketing, and maybe we can discuss why this has resulted in that. Um, some of the things that I have picked up um, from from what has caused this is um, the the risk that brand has to take because they divorced from that process. 
Um, secondly, maybe it is them using the agencies to actually manage that that whole process of influencer program. And thirdly, it's around fraud because uh, there's a perception that if you have a high following, for example, on Instagram, that you've now bought those audiences in a different way and stuff. So do you want to tap into some of these um, things that have gone wrong and historically that has resulted in this bad perception? Yeah, so, so, so let's work back. Let's start with this fraud side. Um, it's true. But then again, if you if you util if you embark on influencer marketing today, without using the right technology, then it then then you open the risk. So it's like in any form of media investment, you need to take due care. And for me, there's technology where I can go and we actually in one of our platforms, every half an hour we do audience analytics, and that half an hour gets compared to the previous half an hour and the previous half an hour. And AI does all of this. And if it shoots up, unless you've become Miss, Miss South Africa or something like that, you get investigated. And it, for instance, I can see where your audience are, what their age groups are. And, and, and that's just the back end. Because if you've got back end data from the platforms like Facebook and Instagram, which they allowed you to have, then you can detect fraud quite easily. And if we detect fraud, in our systems, we mark down those influencers and we would never put them forward. And you often get contacted by influencers saying to yourself, but why don't you ever pick me for brand engagement? And then we have a quick, quick look at a profile and we say, well, you're sitting with 40% of your audience sits in India. So at some stage, you spend some dollars to grow an audience, which you thought was important. Now, a good influencer, it's not about the size of the audience. It's the quality of that audience that makes you viable and attractive for brands to collaborate with you. And you might not know, but we've got access to all that information. So for me, if you're not using the technology that's available, you are at risk to come short. Um, second one is, uh, was around, uh, who do you partner with? It's a specialist game. It's not something that you can just um, do it on the side. So if you look at a traditional influencer business, you probably will have access to good technology and, and, and that needs to be checked out, you know, how good is your technology and have you got case studies around it, how it works. And then secondly, have you got experience in it? Have you ever collaborated with influencers? Because we've got a, we've got a full team of people that's just doing collaboration and you would think, okay, but anyone can collaborate with an influencer. It doesn't work like that. Most of collaboration takes place at night so if you're working office hours, there's delays in, in getting to the end, end product that you're after. And so, so, so infrastructure is important in terms of manpower. And then the first one was credibility. And I think it almost come back to the third one, is that how credible are these influences that I'm working with? Am I using someone that's being used every month? Or am, am I looking in a database for someone that's very topical and might not have the biggest following because the problem is a lot of the campaigns I see coming in is people call out names as a first step and that's that should not be the first step you should first understand what what audience am I after because when you're using big influencers they just a conduit for your message so it's really who you want to reach should be the first question and then what message do I want to take out and then you should come into a system and say let AI find myself the best influencers in this space and you might, you, if you, for instance, in cooking, you might not even 
thought about a name of who we put forward. But when you go and look at the content, you'll see that this is actually a person that's a perfect match for my objective. So the credibility thing is we've also got the star rating in our system. At the end of every campaign, we rate the influencer's performance. And the influencer also rate the brand's performance. And through that, we form like an Airbnb a star rating around the value that's being on offer by different influencers. So how do you go about vetting influencers? Um, I'm sure you have a directory of preferred influencers that you use so we on our so if, if, if you talk nano influencers there are I've got 120,000 people registered in our database there it's hard to vet because they only got 500 say for instance followers on Facebook but what you need to have you need to have deep data outside social media and we've got the data uh, database where we've got up to 60 data points per person so I know where you're child is going to school, I know where you stay, I know who's your medical aid, I know for instance who's your bank, bankers. And that deep data is very important when you work with nano influencers because you're actually looking for existing fan. And that fan then you elevate through a program to become a super fan. When you start going to your micro and macro level, they sign onto a system, they opt in, they confirm their rates. Because what you also don't want to do is you don't want to reach out to an influencer and then gain interest and then the rates escalate. So on our system, you've contracted your rates upfront. So when I put the proposal forward, I know these are the rates that my client's gonna end up paying. And then when you sign up onto the system, we go into the backend to understand the audience data, and then we produce that for our clients. We go automatically can figure out, you know, how popular is your content with your audiences, um, what's the engagement rate you get. And, in, and I know it's a vanity metric engagement but it does give you a sense of how popular the content is with the audience. So um, in certain areas, you're actually looking for that. And then, but then the system looks. So, so I put in some keywords, maybe fashion, beauty, or financial products, and it runs through 50,000 of those guys. And it's like, here's a list of people that could suit this particular brief because their target audience is between 35 and 44, um, these are the platforms that are strong and then we you, typically you will find that those are the platforms that normally those audiences are, are prevalent on so you often get like people say listen we want to do this campaign we want to reach mums 35 years plus but we want to do it on Instagram and I said it's very hard because the Instagram audience is much younger so let's go and look and then we pick the Instagram influencers and you'll see their audience is also much younger and that data is critical. And that you can't get off spreadsheets and list of influencers that's um, linked to your agency. You mentioned data quite a bit and audiences. Do you share the data with your clients? Yeah, no. That you do. So, so if, you, if your target audience is, and let's use the example, is female 25 to 34 then my influencer selection that I put forward with you at the bottom, I've got the audience data. So you as a client knows what's my wastage here. How many do I reach outside that age category and am I willing to waste that on that particular campaign? And then if you say, okay, I don't want to have 20% wastage, then we need to go and look which influencers mainly focus on the core market. And then you play a bit around and you say, okay, here's the list that will give you your, 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 your relevant audience. 
So from a marketer's perspective, if I am using an influencer program or part of my media mix, does it become a media mix or a marketing mix? Because it's it's just not media alone. Um, so my question is, does an influencer program is a standalone initiative or can you incorporate it within your 360 program? Um, and is it only campaign specific? So, so I think it depends very much on the type of business you're in. So um, if you've got an always on media strategy, I, I obviously believe that influencers should be part of their media strategy because what does influencers offer you? It, 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 it offers you to be part of the conversation. It complements what you do above the line from a brand perspective. It's a different way of communicating to an audience. It's through the, like we, what we mentioned at the start, you're in a tribe conversation. So you can ignite the conversation through your brand, but you want those conversations to go deeper within a consumer level. And that's where the, 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 the influencers play their role. I just want to pause a little bit and go back to um, South African context. Um, according to a recent study, um, I, I was amazed to see how big the influencer market is in South Africa. Um, and some of the stats shows us, for example, that there are 152,000 influencers, for example, on Instagram, 69,000 influencers on Twitter. What is your take on how big this market is in South Africa? So, so we've, we've got a lot of influencers in this country and especially if you, if you start looking at nano-influencers because nano-influencers is everyday users. So every person is an influencer. It's just are you activated within an influencer program or not? So we've got lots of people. I do think we've got pockets where we, we, we've got an oversupply and say travel. We've got an oversupply and beauty and fashion and we start getting a lot of people in the food, food, food game. But then you also find that there's pockets where like if I if you approach me now about tech influences, financial influences, personal finance, these are not the popular type of influences that's out there. Um, and and you'll find that we might be in certain ones of those pockets. We are a little bit light. But um, then again, what is the influencer? Because if I start talking about um, digital media, it's a slow growth. Because I want to start, I might have 10 people, I might have 100, and eventually 1,000. But if i got got 1,000 people that's tuning into just that topic and they see me as sort of a thought leader, that 1,000 is very valuable for brands to penetrate. And that's what we do in that space. You mentioned employee advocacy. How do you get involved in that? So our role there in the employee advocacy, I mean, is I don't own the employees. So first of all, we go into businesses and we get buy-in because that's the biggest challenge of any business. You send out the email and say, go and like my post and share it. And then it happens by a small portion of people will do it. So what we go in, we go into an organization and we show people the power of digital media because I think most people don't understand it. If you don't work in that space, um, you don't understand the growth of it. And then when we get buy-in, now you need to transfer skills. So we show people, you know, how do you create a post on LinkedIn? How do you tag a other page? How do you use a hashtag? Because if you're in the space, that comes very natural. If you're not in the space, um, that becomes very time consuming. And employee advocacy doesn't happen if it's time consuming. And that's normally 
a lack of skills. So we make sure the teams got get the required skills and then we walk with them because I ain't changing your DNA in one month. Mm-hmm. Normally a program is about four months where we change the DNA and then when you get to a certain standard, we normally say to the organization, right, you're now ready to internalize this function and you've opened the communication channel. Now you need to build on it. And that's what we do in that business. What's your observation? Is this an effective strategy for brand? In the B2B space, if you want to dominate your voice, um, there's, there's not a better channel. Because see, already in your B2B um, sort of marketing space, you've got limited options. Golf days, breakfast, and outside that, what do you do? Events. Events. Yeah. So what I normally say to my clients there is, um, you need, first of all, every business needs to market to grow. And you don't, in the B2B space, one of the biggest challenges is historically we grew through face-to-face meetings. We grew and our sales teams tend to hang around there where we already got clients. But growth comes from where the people don't want to give you a meeting. And we believe digital visibility assists in that regard. So I'm top of mind when the timing is right. And that's always the thing is, is that when someone is looking for a specific product, the last is seen around it. And that is hard to do from a B2B point of view with any of the mainstream medias out there. Mm. So you mentioned COVID. During this time, have you noticed a decline or increase in the use of influencers? We actually initially, um, they, uh, let me put it differently. There was during the hard lockdown, social media activity increased. We've seen, for instance, in the podcast listening, much higher listening um, downloads of podcasts. We've seen a lot of content created. We've seen a little bit of a pullback from brands because they didn't know how to utilize the influencers then. But came May, when once we've been through the hard lockdown, lots of interest. We've never been as busy as now. And the reality is a lot of businesses has been forced into the e-commerce um, space. And in the e-commerce space, influencers is, is a great way of communicating product availability. So even if I've listed my product on Take A Lot, I'm one of 10 products there. So where do I, where do I send my, 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 my fans now? I need to send them to take a lot to actually go and buy the product there. And we're doing a lot of stuff like that where people are now just change the whole business more the e-commerce way. And the reality is, is I, I measure the traffic I sent there. I measure the cost of acquisition of a new account. And these are all against agreed benchmarks. So if a client says, listen, my, I cannot invest a hundred bucks hundred rands into signing up a new client. My, my values, I can only invest 50 rands. Then you have to plan the campaign accordingly to say, all right, if that's the metric, can I deliver on it or can't I deliver on it? You mentioned cost. How do you measure success of an influencer initiative? What, what would be a good measure of success? So uh, again, it depends on the objective, but let's use an e-commerce and a a business has now ventured into e-commerce. It's got an online store ready and you want to transact through that. So the first thing it needs to do is it needs to sign up new customers because once I've signed you up, I can start marketing for you, send you newsletters, make you aware of them. But but signing up new customers is my main objective. Then I'm going to ask the brand, right, what are you currently investing into new customers? Because remember, influencers is not the only strategy. It's one of your strategies. And the individual, the client will probably tell me, listen, we're doing some Google advertising, we're doing some Facebook advertising, all from a brand perspective. I said, but what is the cost of signing up a new client? And the guy said, all right, 50 rands. That's what we invest in a new client. Then that becomes, as an influencer marketer, that becomes my metric. 
The difference is the cost I'm giving you is also including the content creation because my influencers create the content. You don't have to give me brand content to push out. So I come back to you and say, right, okay, my influencer cost will be the following. So if we divide that by 50 rands, this is the amount of new accounts I need. To. And because I know influencer content performs better, that's the metric. And if I outperforms it, you should start pushing more money into this channel. And that's how it works. So it's not, you would normally not see an influencer channel that people come in with almighty. You come in and you prove your concept, proof of concept first. Once I got to the metrics, because we might tweak things in conjunction with you where we say, listen, the Instagram channel didn't perform as well as the Facebook channel. So we should more focus on the Facebook channel, like what you do with your normal brand advertising. And when we get to the magical number where we start beating your, your metrics, that's where you start scaling. And that's where you start shifting money from the brand perspective into the influencer channel. So the value of that piece of content, because we had that discussion where we looked at um, trading, for example, post your influencer program, that content is also valuable back to the brand. And you mentioned a good example of how you took that, that piece of content on trading and investing and you used an email campaign. Do you want to actually elaborate on that? Oh, so that was an interesting one where we, um, we, we've done a podcast series, Influencing Through Podcasting. But in podcasts, we were having these virtual audio rooms where people were tuning in and engaging with the content. And then we said, but how can we make this a little bit more real and interactive? And we converted the whole podcast series onto an ebook. And then we, all our listeners were given the option to, to get a free ebook. But in order to do that, we established a, a communication channel with them. They, they gave us their details, we sent the ebook, but from that point on there was an off, offline sort of um, relationship with these individuals. But just to come back to the influencer content, influencer content should have free users. First of all, is when an influencer pushes it out to his own community. That's the primary source. Then the second one is um, when you pick up that content and you start amplifying it with performance media because that's your content, the influencer has given you that content. So that's where we start targeting specific audiences with content that we've already checked is working well with an influencer channel. And then the third is actually influencer content should be part of your, your content plan regardless. And then it, you really start sweating this content. Yeah, the problem I'm seeing in the industry as a whole is that we tend to put influence uh, our influencer strategy on an island and then the rest of our marketing uh, differently so we view it differently in instead of fusing it and getting the power and benefit of having a holistic plan and i think that's where you brands become more beneficial so you taking the online and and using it offline and and the value is extended beyond just that that campaign I've, I've got a one, I had a client in the telecoms industry and, um, and we literally, all influencer content became their Instagram content. And, um, and they measured the engagement that they had and the overall sentiment towards that content versus when they were doing it from a brand content perspective. And, um, and we outperformed completely. But for a period of time, every piece of content that was on the Instagram page 
was influencer content. Not posted by the influencer, but because the influencer created it, the brand had access to the content. And that filled it up. Because you would know yourself. I mean, today, social media is content hungry. And we spend up too many hours around debating what content. Whereby if influencers already know what their audiences would relate to. And then it's important to collaborate in the right way, considering the outcomes you're after, and then give them that creative flair. And, um, and you'll actually be surprised with what, what output you're getting that way. Yeah, I mean, two words stick out for me. It's contextual and being relevant. And then what happens, and this is the, the beauty about influencer marketing. Influencer marketing travels. So if I see an influencer-created content, I would, if it's great and I relate to it, I don't mind sharing it. And that's earned media. You don't pay for that. Mm-hmm. And um, where brands battle with brand advertising to travel. So I think it's then when post-campaign you sit back and say, what I, I'm doing campaigns now that's got a specific objective for content to travel. And then at the end of the campaign you sit back and you say, you contracted for X reach, but you got X plus Y, and the Y is the media element of it. So it's word of mouth on steroids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, in terms of your experience uh, working with multiple brands, what would be some of the key learnings that you can share with our listeners today? So, I think it's first of all is to accept that unless you work in the influencer space on a daily basis, you probably will be behind from a knowledge point of view. So make sure that you partner with people that, um, that's got the required knowledge, experience, possibly invested at 10,000 hours, and have access to the right technology. So regardless if it's macro, micro influencers, or even if you go to nano route, what technology is being used in this space? Um, and then the next thing is to, to start off with a blueprint strategy, what will success look like? In our early years, we've done campaigns where we think we hit it out of the park. And then you sit in a report back meeting and everyone, no one is sure <laughs> what a success look like. So today, we, we push our clients to tell us what would success look like because that makes the, the following discussion very easy. I've been successful here, what are we doing from here? And that success could be if it's reach and awareness, yeah, that's it. But it could be new accounts. It could be click-through for education. It could be sign-ups to newsletters, voucher redemptions. doesn't matter what it is, but make it measurable and report back on the performance in that regard. Yeah, that's great. Um, and then in terms of final thoughts in closing, what is the one thing that you want to get done this year? Education. We're our biggest job being in this space. Listen, this is a, in 2016, influencer marketing worldwide was a $1.6 billion uh, revenue business. And 2019, that was $6.5 billion. So we're sitting, we're probably one of the fastest growing channels within the digital world. And the reali- reality is people start realizing, listen, brand plays a role, but I also need to stimulate conversations. And that's where influencer marketing comes in. So our job is to educate the market and hold their hands through investing into this channel. That it's done in a responsible way, that concepts are being approved first, and once you only start scaling once you've got the results um, being delivered to you. Well, that's why we're having the conversation today, to educate our audience. Yeah. So, Peter, thank you so much for your time. I really enjoyed the conversation.
conversation. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks for the invite and, and hopefully we, we've made a difference. No, I'm sure we did. Bye. We're excited. You're excited. I really value and appreciate your support during this time. Helping decision makers navigate the change and keep some change in their pockets. Don't forget to subscribe. Follow our Instagram handle at TalkDigitalZA. Engage us on our website at TalkDigitalZA.co.za. And who knows, you could be featuring on the next one.